From the front office to the hard-hitting action on the field, breaking down all the NFL's biggest headlines, week-by-week game previews to get you ready for each football Sunday. Every division, every conference, and all 32 teams. We've got you covered. This is the Gridiron on tap. Welcome back to the Gridiron on Tap podcast. Kind of got a twofer for you today. We got uh, Monday's episode coming up, uh, which you probably already got the the alert for, but we've got today's episode coming up too, previewing all of week eight, including everything that's going down Thursday, Sunday, and of course on Monday night football. I am Danny. And I am Brandon. And we welcome you guys back to the show brandon we got a lot of stuff to get into and we don't have a lot of time to get into it It, there's so much stuff going on we're like midway through the season it's like is 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 week eight it's no longer like midweek anymore or mid-season any longer because we're 17 but but nine's not midweek any or mid-season any longer either i'm gonna keep saying midweek apparently but (laughs) Yeah, I mean, apparently we've got uh, Wednesday practice or Wednesday practice of next week will officially be midseason. Is that how it works out? It's got to, I, I guess so, yeah. Midseason is injury report Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. A lot of good games this week, though. I, I am excited to break down the slate and a lot of strange either injury or um, people being held out of different games. So. We've got our work cut out for us today. Oh, absolutely we do. Before we jump into that, we have to touch on the big trade rumors surrounding the Houston Texans, the Sean Watson, the Miami Dolphins, and some unknown commodities because we still have no idea what they actually could be. However, we did hear that the teams both agreed to the compensation package. So that's interesting, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it is. And I'll, I'll be really interested to see what what it comes down to. And more importantly, this is going to force Roger Goodell's hand. I, it really is. I mean, he has able to kind of step away from this whole Deshaun Watson situation up to this point. And the, a decision is going to have to be made. Yeah, I I understand to an extent of the hey we're going to, we're not going to get involved because we just simply don't have enough information so we are taking the hands off approach. I get that to an extent because realistically you end up with kind of like a Ray Rice situation where yeah I get it. What he did, like it's unfathomable what he did, correct? You can't you can't forgive what he did. Right. But other players have done the same things, if not worse, 
and they're still in the NFL and they're still playing. So I feel like there's a disconnect between there's no consistency essentially with the way that the NFL issues out punishments. I I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say inconsistent is the word that you look to because it's almost like the NFL operates under a guise of where if this news doesn't get out, then we may not necessarily have to punish. Whereas, you know, we've seen plenty of people have all of these situations get out into the public and either it's on TMZ or reported by anonymous sources. And then the NFL in a reactionary manner then assigns some sort of penalty or has to get involved. And I I just think that Roger Goodell, his whole time as being the commissioner of the league is going to be looked at as, as being a very interesting time in terms of penalties and things like that. Because you look at like the Washington football emails and everything that's going on right now. And Roger Goodell is nowhere to be heard. So, or nowhere to be seen. And I just, I really find it interesting that there has not been any sort of comment on his situation at all. And I I don't know. I'm really interested to see how this whole situation plays out. Yeah, it's... It's confusing to me in in a sense as well to why are you so why are you so quiet? He said plenty of times protect the shield. How many times do we hear that? Protect the shield, protect Always. the shield of the yeah. NFL. And you have opportunities to speak. You don't have to make claims or accusations. You can just elaborate on your thoughts. You are a human being. You are allowed to elaborate on your thoughts. It's almost to the point where you have to consider and possibly wonder, are any or all of the 31 other owners outside of Daniel Snyder kind of pulling Roger Goodell's strings? I know that's a tall accusation I just made, but... That's the only realistic thing that I could think of. Well, I, but I don't think it, it is it that tall of an accusation. And the reason that I asked that is because Roger Goodell's sole purpose or his one of his main jobs is making them money, right? He Keep yeah. the money printing presses going. That is the NFL. And what is bad for business? Bad for business is things that take the public away from watching football or away from going to the games. And so now he's looking at a situation, which he is a former attorney. So if there is anybody who can go in and and dissect the legal, um, you know, verbiage and, and everything that's going back and forth, it seems like it'd be him, but he's tasked with making these owners money and I wouldn't be shocked at all if the voice of 31 is pulling him in a direction that's going to, you know, temporarily hurt one owner of that group. Yeah, it's Solomon Wilcox actually brought up a very good point this morning on NFL radio where he said uh, he still is in disbelief that only John Gruden out of 650,000 emails said anything derogatory. 
And then he also, he, he wanted to, he questioned and said, well, why are they not even talking about Bruce Allen? He was employed there at the time. Who was Bruce Allen emailing at the time then? Because John Gruden clearly was comfortable enough to say these certain phrases and these things to this man who obviously was very receptive of them because he did the same thing. And now we've got this organization being the Washington football team that's under investigation for sexual misconduct and all these problems in the workplace. And you're like, guys, you know, another good point, Eric... John Gruden was making Eric Reed comments. He's making bad comments about Eric Reed. You know, without a shadow of a doubt, that he was talking about Colin Kaepernick. And we will never hear anything about that because it's Colin Kaepernick and the NFL settled. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that what we're seeing here is just the ugly side, the business side of the NFL. You know, a lot of us tune in for the the games that are played on the field and fantasy football and all, all the lighter hearted stuff that goes along with the NFL. Mm-hmm. But behind the curtain, there are some very dark things. And, and I, I don't think I'm making a super bold statement when saying that, you know, there are some things that go on behind the scenes that maybe it's just better that the fans don't know about, or, it, you know, I, I don't know for me, it, it, you can't pretend like the NFL is just a game. And I think that we've had that proven over the past few years with a lot of the different incidences that have been reported or come to light. Yeah, I agree. It's almost like the Wizard of Oz effect, right? Where Dorothy gets to Oz and you go, oh, wow, this is... And then you see what's behind the curtain and and you don't like what you see. Right. Oh, man. Um... So is Deshaun Watson going to be a Miami Dolphin before November 2nd, or is he not? And what do you think the package is going to be? I've heard rumors that it could Xavier Howard could be involved. Byron Jones may be involved. Not both, but one or the other. Um, apparently, Carolina is completely out. So it's Deshaun Watson has only waived his trade clause to go to the Dolphins. Yeah. And as a Tua fan, I hate it. Yeah. I, it's got to be, and we, we've talked ad nauseum about this, where it's just you've got a guy coming into his first real season, and, and he's even missed time this year, but just not getting a fair shake after being anointed as the, the prize in the draft just a couple of years back. And I – the rumor is that Houston doesn't even want Tua back in the trade, which blows my mind um, because I, I don't think that Davis Mills is necessarily lighting the world on fire right now. And He's lighting himself on fire, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I may have undersold that comment a little bit, but yeah, I, I just, uh, to me, I look at that situation and I'm like, man, you know, wouldn't it be a benefit to have two young quarterbacks duke it out and see if out of those two, if you get a franchise quarterback out of one of them. And right. You know, and, and it just does not look like that's the situation that Houston wants in return. And they're talking about getting a third team involved and 
we've heard rumors about Washington being that team and, and things like that. And it's, it's, it's going to be a really strange trade, regardless of how it goes down because of the uncertainty surrounding Deshaun Watson and, you know, the off the field stuff that's going to follow him. So yeah, it's going to be crazy to watch. Um, Personally, I want something to get resolved with that situation, whether it's some sort of legal findings or what have you, just to put this all to bed instead of just the continued speculate speculation. Yeah, we've got a, we've got enough gray clouds over the league this season. Like you know, you know, I know we joke about it and go, well, you know, the the NFL's had their one scandal this season. I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want to deal with with scandals. I don't want to deal with negativity and po- poor publicity. I just I, I want football, but unfortunately, these are the things that we have to talk about because they're associated with football, right? I guess other things we have to talk about that are associated with football is COVID nineteen. Uh, <laughs> Devontae Adams did not travel with the team to Arizona. Uh, his status is still in limbo. It's looking like he's probably not going to play unless you have any other updates that, that you've seen that I have not. Um, I, I've heard that it will be a miracle if he plays just due to the time frame between games and with a shortened week. So Sunday, okay. he could potentially have been um, a, a part of the game, but just due to the shortened week and travel schedule, et cetera, it looks like it's going to take an absolute miracle for Devontae Adams to play. And Alan Lazard was added to that list as well. So the the, the Green Bay Packers are going to be without two of their top three receivers. I um I think what's interesting though is you go down, you miss like you said, you miss their top two receivers. You miss uh, you miss Lazard, you miss Devontae Adams. But on the flip side, now you don't have JJ Watt if you're the Arizona Cardinals because he's out with a shoulder, and all of a sudden that down two receivers doesn't seem quite as bad because you've got one less freight train coming your way if you're Aaron Rodgers. So it, it, the 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 swing started. Um, our friends at BetMGM had the the initial line was the Cardinals were favored by three. The Cardinals are now currently favored by six and a half. And I think that's probably a fair assessment. I don't think that they've accounted for JJ Watt being out because that's like a thirty minute old news story. This is the kind of game, though. Is this not lining up to be an Aaron Rodgers holy crap game? You know, where you look at it and go, God, Brandon, how many times as Lions fans have we seen this? You know, normally I would say yeah and, and agree with you. But the thing that I'm looking at is Arizona is fifth in rushing yards allowed, third in passing yards allowed. And so, uh, you know, a big part of me says, yes, I, I could see where that would be um, a potential, you know, opportunity for Aaron Rodgers. But I just, you know, here, I mean, unless Robert Tanyan gets hot, he, he does have MVS coming back, I believe. Um, 
the last I heard there was that it would be surprising if he did not play Thursday night. But you've got a good Arizona defense going up against Green Bay. And I, I believe that the way this game is shaping up, Green Bay is going to have to survive a firefight with Arizona. If this was going to be a defensive slugfest, we've seen Green Bay's defense come out and play much better this year. I would say that maybe that script plays out, but I just, uh, in, in this one where you have a high powered Arizona offense that's, you know, first in points, or I'm sorry, fourth in points scored, and then on the defensive side, first in points allowed in the league. I just I don't know if they can get it done without Devontae Adams. He's just on a different level when it comes to catching the football. And, and the chemistry that him and Aaron Rodgers have is absolutely ridiculous. So I it, it could be, but I think it would take a lot for that to happen. So here's an interesting nugget about the Green Bay Packers and Devontae Adams that you may not be aware of, Brandon or the listeners. I know our good friend Chris Myers is a huge fan of stats like this. Over the last two seasons, the Packers are 6-0 and without Devontae Adams on the field. They have beaten, in 2019, they beat Dallas, Detroit, the Raiders, and then they went into Kansas City and beat them 31 to 24. Last season, they beat the Lions. They won at New Orleans, and then they beat the Falcons. I realize that that is seven games, but I digress. They have never lost a game without Devontae Adams on the field, which is weird in hindsight. That's a really weird anomaly. As I place those, though, the only one defense that sounds like it would have been a a force to play would have probably been, I mean, uh, you probably got a middling Kansas City defense during that time frame. And then, I don't know. Probably the Saints was going to be your top defense. Absolutely. Yep. That was the one that Um, I was thinking about. Definitely not the Falcons. The Falcons have not had a good defense since like 1998. Right. Um, And definitely not the Lions. Lions haven't had a good defense since Ndamukong Sue and Nick Fairley were there. But right. Yeah. So who are you? Who do you? Who do you like in this game, Brandon? So, you know, I do like Arizona in this game, but Mm -hmm. I do think that. Green Bay has been playing well enough on defense, and then you still have Aaron Rodgers back there. I don't, I don't know that they cover. Um, I, I think that it's going to be a close game. It's going to be an entertaining Thursday night game, and I, you know, and and for the record, I hope it is. You know, it's there's nothing worse than these primetime games being blowouts early on, and then you're like, okay, we've got one game on. It's one thing when it's a Sunday slate when you, you can flip around, but. I've got Arizona in this game, and I think it's going to be closer because I still think that Arizona is just still playing a little higher than what their actual level is. So, I mean, they continue to prove me wrong, but consolidate back a little bit, level it out. Yep. Yep. I just, it's 
I've seen it too many times. I'm I'm going Arizona, but I've just seen it too many times where Aaron Rodgers turns it on with his back against the wall and kind of an R-E-L-A-X moment and uh, just does what Aaron Rodgers does. Discount double checks into the end zone. I, I <laughs> slay, I'm with you. I still like the Cardinals, though. Uh, the NFC South divisional matchup to start our Sunday slate on a Halloween Sunday. How cool is that? I hope we see some cool stuff. I want to see. I want to see every player posting pictures of their cleats on Twitter, <laughs> or via their own page or the team page, because there's got to be some cool designs that are going to be that are going to be on the field on Sunday, Brandon. You know, isn't it ironic? Before we dive into you know too much of the Sunday slate, that the Las Vegas Raiders are off. On Halloween, when they have the fan base that seems to go most over the top in dressing up, you know what? That is a that is a very interesting thought that I would have not put together probably until after the show, and I would have texted you and said, "I should have said this." <laughs> so thank you for saying that, Brandon. Yeah, um, I just I just think it's you know I, they're dressed up every game. They do a great job with, with all of that. And I just found it interesting that on Halloween they, they didn't suit up. So yeah, it seems like it's kind of the black holes day. Anyways, Falcons are actually favored by three because these boys are on a hot streak and uh, talk about a barrel flip between these two teams. Arizona or Arizona. I'm sorry. We've moved on, Brandon. We're on Sunday now. I'm going back to Thursday. <laughs> Carolina started out 3 and 0 and they can't get anything going where the Atlanta Falcons started off completely opposite and now they've got everything going including a dominant Kyle Pitts and I don't I'm going to let you take the reins on this one because as we go live on this I'm still not exactly sure who I take in this game. Yeah. Because you, you've got two teams that have shown that they can play well, at, but at different times. So mm-hmm. part of you wants to take the Falcons, but then you're thinking back to the Carolina defense that's you know second in the league in passing yards allowed. And so you start to look at that, and then you go, well, I don't know. I mean, Sam Darnold's giving away the ball and just really, really not looking very good. And you got Robbie Anderson who's not catching the ball. And, you know, there, there's so many reasons to point to Carolina as just being this offense that is not humming. Let's call it what it is. I think that it is clear that CMC is showing his value right now when it comes to this Carolina offense. Uh, Christian McCaffrey should be anointed the MVP of the season because that's what the MVP award should be. He is the most valuable player to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. They're they're done. Right. And, and they look lost and there's just Sam Darnold with uh, Christian McCaffrey on the field looked like the first round pick. And I know we've talked about this a few times that everybody thought he would be. He looked like he was finally living up to it. And since losing him and, you know, DJ Moore has taken a hit and the the offense just cannot move the ball. Chuba Hubbard is not Christian McCaffrey, which, you know, in his rookie season, to be fair, nobody thought he would be, but 
that's what was right. hoisted upon him once uh, Christian McCaffrey was hurt. And so, Danny, I, I think that Atlanta covers this because we've seen a resurgence in their defense or a defense that we haven't seen in, in recent years. And now it seems like they have a recipe to start doing things on offense. They looked lost early. Um, you know, Matt Ryan was not completing passes longer than three yards. You know, I mean, it was just a mess. Mm -hmm. And now we've got Kyle Pitts that's starting to get into the middle of the field and open things up. And Cordero Patterson, <laughs> once again, is, I'm sorry that I laugh, but, I, you know, the guy who is a kick returner in what was thought to be his prime is not like the yeah, key of an yeah. offense. How do you have two primes in a career, Brandon? <laughs> right. I know, I know. Where arguably so, your second prime is better than your first prime because now you're a Swiss Army knife. Right. Good on you, Cordero. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the Falcons in this one. You've convinced me. But also, I mean, the safe play would be to take the Falcons in this. They, They're the hot team right now. Where the the Carolina Panthers are kind of they're kind of floundering around in the water, just just hanging on for dear life. Um, Matt Rule continuing to call out Sam Darnold is still super strange to me. You did it once; that's all you needed. That's all you needed to do. You don't need to continuously do it. Just pull him if it's that big of a deal. That's the way I look oh, at yeah. it. But I, I agree with you. And it, I mean, what are you going to look at? PJ Walker to come in and you know it's not like you have even anybody in the wings to put, to challenge him. So build him up. Right. Try to win with him. That's right. Uh Miami, the team that we spent a lot of time talking about in the opening segment of this show is heading to Buffalo to take on the Bills in an AFC East divisional showdown. The Bills are favored by 13 and a half points Brandon I call me crazy but I feel like it's going to be closer than that Miami's rolling not this could be twofold though Miami is absolutely rolling Tua looks great I don't care what the haters say Tua looks great his connection with Jalen Waddle has been fantastic Will Buffalo bounce back from the loss to Tennessee? Or are they going to kind of put up a dud in their first game back after the stunning loss to Tennessee and not be able to right the ship immediately against a tough divisional opponent? <sighs> well, Normally, I would say, you know, that they've got to do some soul searching, but they had the buy in between. Mm -hmm. So they probably, you know, they, they probably just lit that whole, you know, the tape and everything on fire from the Tennessee game and are starting anew. They, they were the hottest team in the NFL going into that Tennessee game. And I think their buy came at a pretty good time. Um, in terms of... The, I don't remember a season where we've seen these weekly spreads being north of 10 points on a regular basis. And I almost wonder if the parody is starting to fleet in the NFL a little bit and we're getting more college spreads because 
I think last week we talked about three spreads that were 10 points or more. And here we are with another 13 and a half point spread. And so, unfortunately, I, I do think that Buffalo can cover, if anybody, just because they're coming off of that buy and they are going to be focused and they are going to be looking to get vengeance uh, on a uh, Miami team that's already been struggling. Tua has looked better, but that defense just is not the defense that we thought it was going to be coming into the season. So, What is it with these defenses not playing to their potential this season? Because Miami is not the only one. We talk about Washington every week, too. Right, right. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I don't know what it is. But So, Danny, if I tell you or if I were to ask you, what are your two keys to a game? Typically, well, let me ask you. So if you were to devise a game plan that would ensure that you would have a chance into a game, what would they be? Are we speaking in general terms or if I'm the Miami Dolphins trying to stop the Buffalo Bills? In general terms. I mean, you have to, well, hey, you got to score more points, which the Dolphins don't do a whole lot. But I mean, you also, you, you need to be able to stop the ball, right? Turn over the ball. The Dolphins just aren't creating turnovers either. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, so that's what I was alluding to a little bit is, Stopping the run, winning the turnover battle, and then being able to run the ball. And they just they Miami can't... does none of that. <laughs> What's that? Uh, yeah, right. Miami that, does that's none my, of yeah. that. And that's tough oh, going up Miami. against a team like Buffalo that is first in the league in the takeaway differential. You know, and then their defense is ridiculous. We talk about that every week. And I just think that it's tough because you and I are both fans of Tua and and have noticed that he's had a pretty good, you know, almost kind of sophomore season in the NFL just based on games played. And I think he's running into a buzzsaw here, unfortunately. Uh, let, let me ask you this, Brandon. So let's say... Let's say this trade with Deshaun Watson happened two weeks ago. He's all caught up, knows the playbook, knows the plays, developed some chemistry. What does that do for the Dolphins? Because to your exact point, you need to run the ball. They still can't run the ball. They still have Miles Gaskin. They still have a poor run-blocking offensive line. They can't stop anything on defense, whether it's running or passing. So what does getting Deshaun Watson do to this Miami Dolphins team? Well, and, and I think we alluded to it. What I think it does is, yes, there are some pieces around him, but essentially it's going to lead to the Miami Dolphins giving away a ton of draft capital to that they could have used to further build these insufficiencies. And I just, you know, they're bottom 10 in the league and run blocking their, their running backs themselves are average. And mm-hmm. so you throw De- Deshaun Watson in there and is he imp- an improvement over Tua? Do we even know that at this point? Like, 
And I, and I don't mean long-term. Long-term, we know that Deshaun Watson was a top-five quarterback in this league, top three maybe even. But what his, you know, he's not going to be in game-ready shape from the, from the word go, is he? He can't be. I mean, I, I'm sure he's playing. I'm sure he's practicing. He's training. He's doing all the things that you need to do. But yeah, like I, I don't think at this particular stage, with the the level that Tua is playing versus the level that Deshaun Watson, who has not played football in a very long time, I don't think it's that different. If they're both playing, they're both healthy. They've both played full eight, a full seven week schedule to this point. It's a no brainer that Deshaun Watson is probably going to be head and shoulders above Tua, but he hasn't, so he can't be. Let's move on. We've spent a lot of. We're officially a Miami <laughs> Dolphins podcast on tap today. Um, <laughs> San Francisco and I guess Jimmy Garoppolo are heading to Chicago to take on the Bears in probably the ugliest game of all seven weeks. Um, the 49ers are favored by four. The, the the Niners defense isn't playing as well, so I don't think we're going to see a crying Justin Fields meme this week. Justin Justin Fields just looks awful. Can we can we get that out of the way? Justin Fields looks awful, Brandon. You know, I find it really ironic that he th- that didn't he make oh, I'm trying to remember his exact comment preseason where he said I thought the NFL would be faster or or something to that effect. Yes. Yes. He did rescind it because he said it was taken out of context, but he yeah, he yeah, he said it. Well, it's sped up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Just, just let's say to say the least. Brandon, can I read you off some stats? Yes. How about seventy-five for one thirty-one for a completion rating of fifty-seven point three? Two touchdowns, six interceptions, and here's the kicker. He has a passer rating of 61.8, where the average passer rating in the NFL is 89. Oof. Oh, well. Where's Andy Dalton and Nick Foles? Let's go. It can't be. It can't be. It, it literally cannot be any worse. I, I'd agree with you. I, I, I don't think that. At least Andy Dalton knows the game speed. He may not have the talent of Justin Field, Fields, but he's been in the league long enough to go, okay, pocket's breaking down. I've got to get rid of the ball. Mm. And I'm surprised that they have not made that move yet. And, you know, um, they're just letting the Justin Fields out to dry and to the point where you almost feel bad for him. And, and it, it actually prompted our discussion on the last podcast about you know what is a better recipe building around a future or building the base for a future quarterback or bringing the quarterback in and then building and I with him specifically 
it looks like he needed a ready-made situation. Think about what he – at Ohio State, he was surrounded by five-star talent. Yeah. You've got – he's thrown to Chris Olave, who's going to be taken in the first round this upcoming season. You know, he's got Trey Sermon in the backfield, also taken high in the draft. You just look around at the tools that were at his disposal, and oh, by the way, he was lining up against other college football teams while he was surrounded with NFL talent. Like, I think that there has to be some sort of – when you're breaking down talent, scouting that talent, there has to be some sort of, you know, acknowledgement that – of the talent that that he's playing with when when you come into the league because you look at it and what Ohio State quarterbacks are flourishing in the NFL right now uh zero none of them exactly and what what Ohio you know, State so- quarterbacks usually pan out Brandon <laughs> kind of the same answer like, let, let's be right. real here. It's kind of the same answer. These quarterbacks look fantastic in college, and it just does not translate to an NFL system because right. rehashing what we said on the podcast that is not out yet, it's a system much like Bill Belichick and New, and New England has. Right. So... Yeah, and I think you nailed it there. And now, but on the other side of the ball, like you're Jimmy G going in to start this game. How do you feel? You, you've got your coach who came out of press conference and, oh, is Jimmy G your starting coach? Is Jimmy Garoppolo your starting quarterback? I guess he is. Oh, I mean, if that's not a ringing endorsement, I don't know what is. But, I mean, what is yeah, going on like, in this game? It's, it, it is, it's super strange. Do you know... You might you might get a little chuckle out of this one. Do you know that Matt Nagy has a better winning percentage than Kyle Shanahan at an NFL wow. level? Wow. Yeah. Yep. It's not by much, but he has a better winning percentage than Kyle Shanahan does. Um I guess I gotta go with the 49ers just because they look more complete and Justin. Jimmy Garoppolo playing terrible is still not Justin Fields pl- playing terrible. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm on the Niners this week purely because they, from a pass defense perspective, they're top five, and then the Bears rank dead last. So what that's going to allow them to do is they're going to stack the box, and mm. David Montgomery is not going to be back this game, so you're going to get – a healthy dose of Khalil Herbert and um, Damian Williams. And I think that that box is just going to be stacked. And that's what we're going to be looking at. There we go. Another divisional rivalry match. Pittsburgh is heading to Cleveland to take on the Browns, who are actually, the Browns are favored by three and a half heading into this. Baker's, it, it, all signs are pointing to he's going to try to play. He's he's technically listed as questionable, but he looked good at practice and he was a participant in practice. And part of me wonders if that's a smart choice. I know it's divisional. I know it's Pittsburgh. But is it a smart choice to not play Case Keenum and give Baker just 
one extra week again because we know the Pittsburgh defense is tough, and they're going to get to them. So it's it's confusing to me why you would risk that unless the severity of the injury is not as bad as they are are telling us. Because the, the, they've got Pittsburgh and then they're at Cincinnati. So they've got two back-to-back divisional games. At this point, if I'm if I'm Kevin Stefanski, I would rather I'm trying to beat Cincinnati. I think we can beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh looks beatable this year. Yeah, I, I well, know. to your point though, I mean, Cleveland just went into a game and basically won with their defense. Although, I mean, take that back. Case Keenum played great in a backup role. You know, to to come in and yeah. step in for Baker. I don't want to take anything away from him because he did have a passer rating north of 90, if I remember right. So he did well. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is such a weird situation. You've got your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, who needs surgery at some point, right? I mean, he's already come out and said. Yeah, it's guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and you're going, ah, we're going to hold him out of this game, but he'll play this game and then, you know, maybe we'll hold him. Like, to me, that is, I, I just don't understand the thought process when, yes, Pittsburgh is a formidable defense. And in terms of pass rush, they're top five. But in terms of overall defense, they are not the, the Pittsburgh defense that we're used to seeing. They're 12th in, in defensive rushing yards allowed, and they're middle of the pack when it comes to passing yards. And I think that, you know, Case Keenum with Nick Chubb coming back, Dearness Johnson, you know, spelling him, I think that they've shown that they've got that stable of backs and, and an offensive line to boot that could just go in and, you know, at least be able to move the ball that way. Um I mean, hell, they, these te- two teams have almost flip-flopped to where Cleveland is the number one, um, you know, or I'm sorry, they're the number two rushing defense in the league, allowing just 80 mm-hmm. yards. So they've almost taken a page out of Pittsburgh's book and said, okay, defense is going to play. Right. Let's go. And, yeah, so, I mean, to, to your point, I think that it's very curious that they're going to force Baker into a game against – a struggling Pittsburgh uh, team this this week. Yeah, I I still like what I'm seeing from the Browns. I just feel like they've put it all together, and you know, ahead of the season, this was a Super Bowl caliber team. And I guess if they can stop Najee Harris, then they then they win the game. That's really what it boils down to. I think they can. I think Miles Garrett. Yeah. And Jadavian Clowney are going to be able to stop Najee Harris. Right. Uh, Philly is heading to Detroit. Isn't it fitting that two ugly, scary teams are playing on Halloween? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Philadelphia is favored by three and a half, and I think it's only because they have to be. Because if we're being (laughs) honest, Brandon... Neither team should be favored. This should be an even matchup. This should be a push. Yeah. Did the Lions get their first win of the season, Brandon? God, I hope so. I honestly, I I just 
I feel so bad for the for the coaching staff right now. And this past week, they actually had an interview with Dan Campbell, and Martha Ford came out and acknowledged um, that this was a rebuild. <laughs> yeah. So they talked to Dan Campbell about it, and he said, well, that's fine. She's the owner. I love her, and she can say what she wants to say. She's entitled to it. She's the owner of the team, but I'm tasked with getting wins, and I think we've got a team in the locker room that can do it. So here's what. Oh, go ahead. No, here's here's what I like about Dan Campbell is he has that attitude because that's what you want, right? I w- I was talking to somebody earlier, and I think you saw I, I think you saw this. This is on uh, on our social media page. If we compare the Detroit Lions roster, they've really got like a. There's no way to say this to make it sound any less worse, but they've really got like the talent level of a low end division one or a division two college football roster when it comes to comparing to NFL caliber teams. And the fact that they gave the Los Angeles Rams who are a Super Bowl contender, a scare and they've basically been in every game but two out of their seven games. That goes to show you just this coaching staff is ridiculously good. This coaching staff is getting every ounce of talent from these players on this roster. They are squeezing mm-hmm. the orange. They are getting all that juice out. I mean, they're just squeezing those oranges. And I just for the sake of everybody in that room, I hope they pick up a win because this, I don't see what game on the schedule is winnable after this one. If they don't pick up the win against Philadelphia this week. Correct. And that's the scary thing. If you're a Detroit lions fan, like we are, <laughs> I, the, the only other game they could possibly win is week 12 against Chicago, possibly Chicago. 14 against uh, against Denver. And I only say that, but Jerry Judy's going to be playing Sunday. So Jerry Judy's back. Yep. So Denver's going to look completely different come week 14. They, they could be a well-oiled machine by then. I don't see the Bears turning it around at any point this season. So the Bears game should be winnable, but this is the game where they've got to get off the schneid. When was the last time you said Schneid? <laughs> it's a good word. It's a you good know, word. It's a great word. It's got to get in my vernacular. Um, so a little breaking news. Mark Ingram has been traded to the New Orleans Saints to reunite no. with his old backfield mate. Really? What happened to Tony Jones Jr.? <laughs> I don't know. I think he's on IR, actually. That would, I mean, I've got Alvin Kamara on fantasy so i follow alvin Kamara. he's been alvin Kamara is i think it's out in the open but he's by far my favorite player in the nfl i love everything this guy does i will biasly pick alvin Kamara over christian mccaffrey and i will statistically pick him over christian mccaffrey as well but we'll get into that at some other point in time brandon yes yeah so 
Sorry for uh, derailing the conversation, but I thought that was a bit of breaking news because, of course, we've had breaking news the past few podcasts that we've been on. So try to get it back on the tracks here now. But Oh, for sure. Good job. <laughs> this is our own NFL insider, Brandon Gunn. That's right. <laughs> um, in this game, though, I... I I've got to take Philadelphia, and it hurts me to do so. Um, but I just think that the Lions haven't seen that they saw Lamar Jackson earlier, and they contained him pretty well. But I just feel like this is just your typical game where they're going to be able to. It's going to be a letdown game after what was a close fought game, and once again another game where the effort was there and they just came up a little short. I think it could be. Here's, I think the saving grace for the Lions is that Miles Sanders isn't playing, and I, I honestly, and I, I know they're not using Miles Sanders on the Philadelphia offense, but I, until he went out, I strongly believed that this would have been Miles Sanders' breakout game for the season, was going to be against these Detroit Lions, and he's not there, so. If the Lions play their bend and don't break defense and Jared Goff doesn't throw into triple coverage in the end zone, I think the Lions do pull this out. I'm actually, this is the first time in the season I'm actually taking the Lions. I like it. I like it and I hope you I don't right. like it, but I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of us likes it. <laughs> uh, man, um, Tennessee is heading to Indy. This should be a game, Brandon. Uh, to take on the Colts, the Colts are favored by a point. So you know what that means. Nobody knows who's going to win. That's right. And that's how we like it. Yep. Um, man, I like. I like what the I like what I'm seeing from the Colts. Although they just lost their safety to IR last week at the end of the game. Um. You need all hands on deck when you're going against Derrick Henry. I, I I feel like both of these teams are surging, which is that's why this game is going to be so fun to watch. It's a this oh here we go. I've been waiting to use this pun. This is going to be a this is going to be a trick or treat game, Brandon. <laughs> yes, got it in. I love it. Oh, it, it is. This is going to be a game against two surging teams. And Carson Wentz, can, can we talk about his rebirth after everybody had written him off? I know we talked about it briefly last time, but did you realize he has the lowest interception um, percentage in the league right now? I did. And I will tell you I did because if you follow us on Instagram at Gridiron on Tap, there may or may not be a post coming up after this podcast is over pertaining to exactly what Brandon is going to tell us all about. Yes. Yeah, so Carson Wentz has a 0.5 interception percentage. And, you know, he's been reunited with Frank Reich. And I think it's get get That's what it is. Oh, that's exactly what it is. And we talk about it all the time. Give a quarterback a good line and a good running game. And, hey, next you know, he's good, right? Sprinkle in a little bit of Paris Campbell and, you know, a, a couple good receivers there. And 
Now you've got the recipe for an offense to move the ball. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr., he's showing that he's a future superstar. I'm going to say that right now. This guy is going to be a superstar in the league. 50-50 balls, he's got them. Throwing them in the flat and getting yak, he's got that too. This dude is going to be a beast, and it's going to be – I think that Indianapolis is going to be a surprise team, and that's not taking anything away from the Tennessee Titans because they have righted the ship there and look to be trending in the right direction. And, Danny, if you've got a guy who can you can give the ball to 68 more times than the next guy in the league, and he's still outperforming everybody by far without any shine, signs of uh, wear and tear, this is going to be a smash-mouth game, and I'm going to love every minute of it. I'm going, yeah. This I'm, I'm I'm super excited. This is probably my game of the week to watch when it, when you go through the slate. I, it's, it's if you're a football fan, this should be everybody's game of the week to watch. I don't care if you're a, if you're not a fan of either team. If you're a fan of the game, this is the game you're watching. At, at least yeah. in the game mix on Directv, it's um hundred percent. I think I think I'm going to go with the Colts on this because they're playing at home. If the game's in Tennessee, I think the I think that's really what the deciding factor is going to be because they're both surging at the at, you know we we've almost said that to nauseum at this point, but I think that the Colt being at home is that's going to be the difference maker in this. Yep. So I am also on the Colts this week, and the reason why is that once again turnover differential. If anything, Ryan Tannehill has shown that he does have a propensity to turn the ball over sometimes. They're mm-hmm. Their turnover differential is still good at only negative one. So they're the middle of the pack in the league. Meanwhile, Indianapolis behind a Carson Wentz, who's just only throwing to his players, is plus nine for second in the league. I think that'll be the difference this game. Yep. Um, This should not be close in the least bit. Cincinnati's traveling to New York to take on the Jets, who do not have their starting quarterback, who is supposed to be better than the next man up, Brandon. <laughs> um, it's not even going to be close. The Bengals are going to blow them out of the water. The Jets had a formidable defense at the beginning of the season. That's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit. They've dropped down in the power rankings. Mixon, Chase, Uzoma, like Bengals all day. If you play daily fantasy, you want Bengals in your lineup. That is all I have to say about this game. L.A. is heading to Houston in the most lopsided slate of the day. By the way, the Bengals were favored by 10.5, if I didn't tell you that. Uh, The Rams are favored over Houston by 14.5. This is another game. It's It's Rams. It's not even worth talking about this game because the Houston Texans are so bad on and off the field. They're terrible in the front office too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the only exciting news previous to this game from these two teams, I mean, will be the injury report. But then outside of that is if Deshaun Watson gets moved. Um, outside of that, the Rams are going to go in. They're going to take care of business. And without Mark Ingram running the ball now, you're looking at Philip Lindsay and David Johnson in the backfield. And... I think that the the Rams saw much, uh, two much better running backs in Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. 
in the past week. So they'll be buttoned up and ready to, to take them down. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, the only other thing I wanted to touch on, on that was Tyrod Taylor is back at practice. Um, that does not mean that he's going to play. That would be, that does make a difference if you're Houston, but not much. Rams are still going to destroy them. Uh, New England is heading to the Chargers, who are fresh off of their bye. Chargers are favored by five and a half points. I still like what I see out of New England, but man, the Chargers have just looked so good this season on all levels. I got to go to the Chargers in this one. Yeah, I feel like we're getting to that point of the a slate of games where, once again, where the spreads are high. This one, the spread comes down a little bit, but you're just looking at two teams that are one that's building and one that's getting ready to ascend. And I think that in this game, what I'm looking for is how does Mac Jones do against a top five pass defense now that he's facing that? Um, the Chargers have let up a little some yardage in the middle of the field. They don't let up the outside pass too much. But how does he go up against a top five pass defense? And that's about it. I think uh, I think the Chargers cover, and I think the Chargers, you know, continue to roll, especially coming off of a bye. Uh, Jacksonville is headed to Seattle in a game of – Two teams with no defenses. This this should be very high scoring. Yeah. The over under is only forty three and a half. This should be stupidly high in points. This should be like college football nine overtime score. Um, the Seahawks are favored by three and a half. This might sound like a shocker to you. I'm going Jags. Well, it would sound like a shocker if I wasn't going that same direction as well. I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I. I know that we've been uh, agreeing on all of these games, but this is one that I had penciled in as, you know, the Jaguars being able to win this game outright. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just you look at the matchups of these two teams and when they're both ranked as less than, you know, 15th in the league in almost every category, you're just going to have two teams that it's not going to be a pretty game and, you know, like you said, a lot of points scored probably. Yep. Um, Washington is headed to Denver as the Broncos are favored by three points. I think the Broncos win in bigger fashion than three points uh, because Jerry Judy is back. He will be playing on Sunday. And the, the Broncos offense has looked pretty good in his absence, which means they're only going to look better because – Oh, he's their best offensive player. So you pair him with Noah Fant and Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Man, you got yourself a you've got yourself a team that can possibly turn this thing around here. They're another Carolina Panthers style team where they started off hot and people are going, Oh my gosh, look at the Broncos. And I go, Oh well, yeah, look at the Broncos. But they've got the Washington football team that can't get it together on either side of the ball. So no brainer. So for me, I'm going to surprise you here. I think Washington no for covers. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I think Washington covers this game and might win outright. Um, they've actually so they don't get me wrong. Their defense has massively, massively underperformed all through this season. But as of recently, they've been able to get more pressure on the quarterback. And Teddy Bridgewater, when pressured, is only graded out as a 55.6 when completing passes under pressure. 
So I do think that we've seen this, this Denver defense be taken advantage of um, in certain games. Don't get me wrong, uh, once again, I mean, Tyler Heineke has not looked great in spots recently, but I think that what we will see here is we will see pressure on Teddy Bridgewater, a, a couple of turnovers, and then we'll see a Washington cover at very least. So hopefully this is a close football game, but that, that is what I've got. Tampa Bay is heading to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Bucks are only favored by five and a half, which is kind of odd to me as a one-loss team only being favored by five and a half. I mean, if we're looking at other spreads, it, it that doesn't that doesn't really add up. And I guess they're they're just attributing the division the divisional rivalry to to the the close proximity of the spread here, but um. You got to go with the Bucks, right? Yeah. Oh, well, well, I mean, New Orleans defense is better than Tampa's defense, though. Cuz Tampa's de- Now, here's here's the catch though. Everybody's back this week. Levante David's back, Richard Sherman's back. Um Jason Pierre-Paul is healthy again. The only people that are, the only person that's not back yet is Sean Murphy Bunting. Everybody else is back. They're they are this is like almost a clean bill of health for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, so we can possibly finally see what they're made of. Yeah, but yeah, they got to win, right? That, it, it's uh, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I think that what we're gonna see. So I, I just mentioned Teddy Bridgewater's fifty-five point six rating by pro, uh, pro Football Focus when under pressure. Jameis Winston, my friend, thirty-six point seven. Hero throws, baby. Yep. So <laughs> that's what it I, is. And Tampa has that sort of funnel pass defense where you can't run the ball on them. I mean, do, well, let me take a step back. Most teams cannot run the ball on them. We're looking at a Saints defense or a Saints offense that flows through Alvin Kamara. So they will probably be more successful than most. But even then, they're still only 17 in run blocking, 17th in the league. So with Tampa Bay being able to stop the run and force the throw, I think they're going to get Jameis Winston in a lot of situations where he's uncomfortable, and I, I think this is Tampa to cover. How weird is it if you're Mark Ingram that the last time you were in New Orleans, you were the starter, and Alvin Kamara was the backup? And now you're you're in New Orleans as the backup to Alvin Kamara as the starter. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, that is funny, um, and it's going to be a different role. I think we have seen Mark Ingram show his age a little bit, but who knows, man? Maybe mm-hmm. he's rejuvenated, getting reunited in that backfield. And although his role will change a little bit, I'm sure those two have a great relationship. It's been documented that they do. So I'm sure they're both going to be juiced to get back together and. Yeah, it's it'll take some it'll add some tread to uh, Alvin Kamara moving forward because he was just getting a ton of work. Oh, he was he was getting too much work. Let's let's be you know, we got to be real about it. But the Saints also have a much better offensive line than the Houston Texans do. So we, we saw games this season where Mark Ingram was effective still. 
Yeah. So maybe we see a resurgence of of Mark Ingram to where, you know, I'm not saying he's going to put up a thousand yards in nine games, but you never know. You 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 could get some flashes of Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara of old. And as a football fan, I'm super excited to see that. I agree. That was the last Sunday afternoon game. We are moving on, moving on up. Sunday night football. I cannot wait to watch this. Dallas is headed to Minnesota. And the Cowboys are only favored by two points with that ridiculously potent offense of theirs because the Minnesota defense is finally clicking like they were supposed to be heading into this season. This might be the only defense that's finally got it together that we were that we don't talk about every week going, where are they? They're not showing up. No, they've, they're here. They, they've arrived. They're back. Right. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, the, the tough part about Minnesota is they are such a Jekyll and Hyde team to even try to figure out what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their offense flows through Delvin Cook. And Kirk Cousins has done a great job in getting Adam Thielen. And then, obviously, Jefferson is just – he's shown what he can do. And Justin Jefferson is just a great player. Um, but I just don't know that they have enough or are consistent enough to go up against a Dallas team that is coming off of a bye, which Minnesota is coming off of a bye as well. But I think Dallas just has too much talent at almost every position to see Minnesota win this game. I, uh, I got to go with Dallas in the hot hands. Dak is just, I think Dak is on a, on one of those revenge tours where everybody wrote him off. You know, he re- he remained without a contract for such a long time. Broke his ankle. He's never going to return. He's not going to be the same Dak. You know, he's not a, he's he's not an elite quarterback. You you've heard all of the phrases about Dak Prescott, and he's proven everybody wrong. Ezekiel Elliott has proven everybody wrong who wrote him off after the first two weeks. I I love seeing these guys. The Zeeks and the Carson Palmer or Carson Palmer's Carson Wentz. I'm sorry, easy for me to say. Um, I, I love seeing these guys resurface after being written off wrongfully, because that's the cool thing to do now. Is just that, ah, yeah, he's washed. Yeah. Well, I mean, Carson Palmer, to your point, did have a great bounce back in his own right after that. This is thank you for picking up what I was putting down, my man. Just build me up. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, though. Like, is there not anything more than you want as a coach of a team in sports than a team with a chip on their shoulder? And. You know, a lot of coaches try to manufacture that chip or manufacture that edge or, you know, try to try to almost manipulate like in the Michael uh, Jordan, that whole series, you know, he talked about like 
having these ridiculous slights from like these guys that were, you know, play, playing him too hard in practice or whatever it was. And, mm-hmm. you know, yep. you try to manufacture that as coaches. And now you've got a locker room full. Your leaders, the Zeeks, the, the Dax, these guys have it because of everything they're hearing in social media and around them. I mean, that's that's a perfect scenario. I, I think that Dallas comes out, and I think they just take care of business. Minnesota, I think, is a middling team at best. I think they show flashes, but they're not quite there. And Dallas, on the other hand, I do think that that defense is legit. I know that they're being written written off a little bit in some of the media that I've read recently. Yeah, Don't think that that's not putting a chip on their shoulder, too. I think everybody comes out, they take care of business. Charlie Weiss would say it the best. Take a bus in, kick butt, take a bus out, fly home. Dallas Cowboys for the win. Which brings us to our Monday night game. The New York football giants are going to Kansas City to take on the spiraling Chiefs, who are still favored by 10 points. That's got to be a mistake. Can we can, can we be honest? That's got to be a mistake because the Chiefs do not look like 10-point favorites over any team currently. And, oh, by the way, everybody was at practice today for the New York Giants. Kadarius Toney, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, even Saquon Barkley was back at practice today for the New York Giants. The Kansas City defense has the ability to get annihilated by this Giants offense if they are fully healthy with all of these weapons, Brandon. Danny, we have banged this drum, I feel like, every week. Um, Kansas City, 32nd out of 32 teams in pass rush. And then in coverage, they're, they're still bottom third of the league in coverage run defense. You want to know where they are there? 32nd overall. I was going to say, I could, I could take a guess. (laughs) I I mean, it's you. And the problem is, is their defense has never been great. Even when they won the Super Bowl, their defense wasn't great. They were good or middle. Good. Maybe even overstating it. They were adequate. And, now we're looking at a team where it's blatantly clear to me that Patrick Mahomes thinks he has to do this all on his own. And he he's just not that player this season. He's turning the ball over. He's making bad decisions. We've talked about it many times. I, I just think that this is going to be a year. And, you know, I think it's that Super Bowl hangover where we saw – and you see it every year almost. You know, the team that loses in the Super Bowl comes out. Matt Ryan comes out and throws for his oh, gosh. <laughs> career low. You know, you just go yep. season by season. And these guys that lose just are are not great. Um, I'm going to go over some Patrick Mahomes stats for you right now. Sit down, so, Mahomes guys. Yes. Sit if, down. If you are a Mahomes, Mahomes fan or truther right now, he is graded out for fumbles at 29.4, according to Pro Football Focus, when being blitzed. Oh, gosh. 
That's awful. 31.1 went under pressure. So he's fumbling the ball all over the place. But then his passing, 58.3 went under pressure. That's not, it's, it's not good. It's, it's terrible. And, you know, he's got a middling uh, offensive line when it comes to passing. It's just, we, we talked about it once again. This is a topic I feel like we've been beating the drum on. And I'm going to go on record now and just say that this Kansas City Chiefs is not going to sniff the playoffs. So you, you see the games, you know, probably in a couple of weeks we'll start where you see the, the, the pictured teams that are in the hunt, right, for, for playoffs. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City is not going to sniff being on the screen. Right. It's. Yeah. I don't see Kansas. I, I I feel like Kansas City will probably win this game, but it's going to be one of those super ridiculously ugly games again, where I think it'll be close. the 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 Chiefs aren't winning by ten. I honestly I believe that it's going to be a three a three to a six point game less than a touchdown separates these two. Yeah. But I do see Kansas city. I I do feel like Kansas city is just, they're overall more talented. They just don't know what they're doing, but the giants have bad coaching where the chiefs have good coaching. So let me back up after lamb basting and lighting the Kansas city chiefs on fire. I'm going to side with you and say, yes, they also win this game. But Welcome back to my side, pal. Yes. yes. And I'm not walking. So although they are going to win this game, I'm not walking back my statement because let me read you their schedule coming, uh, coming up here. So they play the Giants. We both have them penciled in for a win, right? Mm-hmm. Then they play Green Bay. Then they play the Las Vegas Raiders. Dallas Cowboys, then a bye week. And then they have games. So out of their remaining six games, five of those six games, Raiders, Chargers, Steelers, Bengals, and then they play the Broncos. So it, it's tough. That that That's a gauntlet. That's what you're running right there. Yeah. That's it. And you know what else that's it for, Brandon? We're getting this we're getting the signal here. I just saw the little saw the little wrap it up sign from the from the old producer here, Brandon. Uh, I was Do you have so any parting words? <laughs> Do you have any parting words for the folks as we as we sign off on here? Oh, party words. I would say definitely visit our website, Gridiron on Tap. You're gonna find great content from not only the NFL covering the trade deadline, but also fantasy football with starts and sits, sell highs, buy lows um, from our, our great contributors that we have there. And we have some, I know we keep teasing it, but we have some great stuff coming and I'm super oh. excited. <laughs> yeah, do we? Please continue to follow our social media as well as our own Danny Bennett continues to deliver with killer graphics that are yeah, only found me. at Gridiron on Tap. Oh, we are here, and I'll tell you, Brandon. Brandon says like he's beating a sounds like he's beating a dead horse, but I promise you, he's not. And you're not going to want to miss what 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 we have going on here. It's 
Ugh, I'm so excited and I can't wait until it's official and you guys see it because holy crap, it is altering to put Gridiron on tap in the upper echelon of sports media coverages. That's going to do it for us this week. I am Danny. And I am Brandon. And we will catch you down the road. 